Welcome to football or soccer, whatever you call it. I am your co-host, Pook Nguyen, and I am joined by the wonderful, amazing, talented, I could keep going, but Melina Gaspar. <laughs> How are you? I'm good. Please don't, because I'm going to get all red on my cheeks, you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, you, uh, I, you know how I feel about your talent, so this is... Uh, I'm going to start doing these WWE, WWE entrances for you like in the future. And I know, and then, and then if you guys are wondering why, like she'll stop like doing the podcast out there, it's because I keep making her blush. So this is so funny. Anyways, Malia, what the heck is going on in this world cup? Like every day, the past, especially the last probably two nights has been very like, interesting to say the least and like unexpected right like let's let's go over a few teams that are out right now we have brazil out right mm -hmm. we have canada out we have and we also have germany germany was predicted as one of the top three favorites to win this like obviously there's a lot of stories going on like i honestly can't keep track um but what are you most like before we get into like all the games but which team who did not make the group stage of uh, the, the knockout round are you most surprised by? Well, Germany, I pointed them out as my world champions. Then I switched to England, but I don't know. I had such big hopes on them. And but you were telling me about Alexandra Pop being one of the top goal scorers. And yeah. yet it wasn't enough. I think that's one of the reasons why they are they were knocked out. They were too reliable on her. Uh, also, uh, yeah, Lina Oberdorf. Um, so, you know, that's the problem when you have two very talented players. You, if you, if you're not careful, you rely too much on them, and then things like this happen. So, yeah, I'm sad about them. Uh, well, but this is football, so anything can happen. I think, you, Melina. Let me ask you one more question to follow up. Do you like? I personally think I have a really strong opinion on this, but do you think a lot of these upsets actually uh, help the the game? Yeah, I really think so. You know, um, one of my reasons uh, to not like to see USA winning again mm. is exactly that: the fact that I I really think that it's great for USA to to win another World Cup and everything, but. It's like a monopoly of football, mm -hmm. and that's never good. I think uh, you have to like share sometimes to make other nations um, progress in this this world. You know, it's it's very difficult for many of them because of the lack of resources and and yeah. sexism and and coaches that are pigs literally and and for many it's so hard so to see all this for me this is the best world cup so far because we are seeing how competitive the sport has yeah. become and it's yeah. not a monopoly anymore i don't know if it's gonna be the same in paris next year and at the olympic games but uh, so far i'm very happy with the results even though you know there are some sad stories of um players that were this um were playing their last World Cup and stuff, but I think this is good for the sport. Yeah, no, I I hundred percent agree with that. I think the I feel strongly about it because I think a lot of countries 
won't put more money in unless they saw something, you know? Uh, and unfortunately, that's not really fair because I think a lot of these countries also, you know, like, because obviously with the price money going up, I just think it's a no-brainer to put more money into your women's soccer teams, right? Um, but just the fact that we've seen so many upsets, I feel like this is probably the most upset um, ever in a World Cup. And honestly, that's... Like the 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 cool things about the previous World Cups is you kind of knew who was going to win, you knew who was going to make it far, but at the same time, I don't really like that. You know what I mean? Um, so that's why I was like, oh man, like there's so many like Morocco, like we were talking about debutants on our last podcast, and we have you know we'll talk about all sixteen teams in a second, but we have a debutant in the final sixteen, which is really exciting. Um, after their men's team made the semifinals, you know, so. Like, if we say the country right now, I don't think anybody would expect it, right? And a, not not nothing against them or anything like that, but it's just cool to see, like, once you start putting in resource things, good things happen. But, Melina, let's just kind of go over group by group uh, just steadily and, uh, you know, any surprises and things like that. So let's start with Group A. We got Switzerland, Norway, New Zealand, Philippines. Was this one of the most fun groups, in your opinion? I don't know if I would say fun. But it gave me more than I was expecting, to be honest. It gave yeah. us drama, off-the-field issues, uh, a debutant also that made history, and some surprises maybe with New Zealand. And in the end, well, Norway produced what we thought they were capable of, and so they, their way, they ended up going through to the knockout stages. A thing that it looked a li- looked a little bit impossible in mm-hmm. game one for them, but in the end they they could pull it off. So yeah, congrats to them. Yeah, it's it's a weird group because I think we expected, um, you know, the two teams to move forward, uh, Switzerland and Norway. I don't know, like you saw it going, uh, you know, Switzerland one, Norway two, but I think, you know, I feel for Ali Riley because they won their first game. And if they could squeak by with this, like a point against Philippines, you know, they would have been able to sneak in, obviously, you know, and it's tough to watch this because, you know, you have your whole, the whole country behind them um, and not being able to advance, especially the way they started. It says a lot. And then Norway, especially with their kind of management system uh, being, being really interesting right now. Um, I honestly didn't think they could wake up enough in the final game, but they responded. Um, and made it through so I mean it's interesting for sure but I don't know if I'm too high on either of those teams coming through um, for the knockout stages and then group B Malia I know you don't call it the group of death but when you look at these stats most of these teams like defensively are so sound right we came into the game final game it's like all the drama was on the table so Nigeria needed really needed a at least a draw to get out of the group stage or a win against Ireland, and then you have Canada and Australia, who let's be uh, straight about this: like anybody could have won that game. Like straightforward about this, anybody could have won. So, uh, what were your thoughts on that group? Because it just seemed like beautiful chaos at the end. Yeah, I don't call it group of death, but it turned out being maybe something close to that. And, well, I, I was saying to people that anyone uh, that could predict that Nigeria was going to be first 
before the, the third group, the third game, uh, deserved an award. And I still say that they ended up second, but it doesn't matter. I think 99.99% of the WhatsApp population uh, predicted that Australia and Canada uh, were going to yeah. advance. Uh, and Canada, what a sad ending for them. And although Christine Sinclair hasn't said anything about ending her career, her national team career, um, I don't see her playing another World Cup with 44 years. Uh, so, yeah, sad, sad end for her, bittersweet. I mean, I'm happy for Nigeria. Um, as a Latina and a South American, I know how much, how hard it is for like African nations and mm-hmm. South American nations to to achieve stuff. So I think this mm-hmm. is awesome for them. And um, Ireland well ended up and uh, finished last, but I think they did a a good part in this World Cup. Yeah, I think uh, it's interesting because I think Ireland would probably advance out of a lot of other groups, right? Like this is the really wrong group for them to be in. Um, and then you have Canada, obviously, you know, Portland Thorns captain Sinclair, this will be her last World Cup. She pretty much confirmed it at a post, uh, post-press conference. Um, doesn't mean she might not, she might play the Olympics next year. Uh, seems like she doesn't want to retire anytime soon. So uh, we'll see how that goes, but Canada going out, it doesn't surprise me. They have so much stuff going off the field right now. Um, and so, like, a lot of these teams do, right? Um, and Nigeria is going through something similar, too, right? So, for me, me, I think – I'm not sure. I think Leo picked uh, Nigeria. I picked Nigeria as, like, a gut thing um, just because I think they're too talented. Um, and then, obviously, we I think we all had Australia moving on as first place. I, I don't think we thought they needed the last game to do that, but it's – it's one of those things because I don't like, I think for like both hosts to go out in the group stage would be so bad, you know, for, you know, the fans. Uh, and but at the same time I was conflicted. Uh, you know, I wanted Canada to put up a good game, but just the way Haley Rasso played Ford played her, uh, her best game, you know, Mary Fowler was back and they just looked so much different, you know? And I think this team, even without Sam Kerr looked really good moving forward. So Especially against the Canada team, who never give up that many goals. Ooh, um, so we got some really good stuff happening there. Um, and then Group C: uh, Zambia, Costa Rica, Spain, and Japan. Um, I just want to say this real quick, Melina. I'm just glad uh, Rocky Rodriguez is healthy again. Um, played a lot of minutes the last few games. Um, really, you know, this is going to help her uh, moving forward uh, for club the rest of the year, but. Just kind of seeing her play again, the traditional physical style and the passing and everything was really cool, especially against uh, Zambia. Um, congratulations to Zambia on their first win, uh, by the way. Uh, same thing with New Zealand and Philippines on their first wins in their country's history. But just seeing Spain and uh, especially Japan, Japan won all three games, including their win against Spain. Japan plays total team football. Like I don't think when you think of a team you want your kids to play like or you know like if you're a coach and you want your team to play like or you know you want your nieces nephews or your son and daughter to play like that's the team right um and it's funny because spain had most of the possession but japan is just so smart they their coach you know has to give credit for for him just because he's tactically so sound and has made all the right decisions this tournament uh but yeah japan just beat them on the counter had the ball probably like a quarter of the time and 
just cruise to a huge win, you know? So I, I the one thing I like about Spain still, Molina, I know people are like, oh, like they're not for real. Here's the thing. Sometimes you got to get like a really bad loss to wake up and reset. I, I don't think their coach is good enough to fully fix them, but I think they're too talented to go away. You know what I mean? So uh, I'm really excited about Japan because I think Japan moving forward and England are my two favorites uh, to 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 make the finals. So, Melina, what would you think of that group? Same as I said before with was a team <laughs> Nigeria. I say the same thing regarding Japan because you know I've I've been listening to many podcasts about the World Cup, and none of them had Japan as a serious contender for this World Cup. And mm-hmm. I think we have had many surprises, but um, but among the powerful nations of of soccer or football, Japan has been the the surprise in this in this regard. And something interesting is is the fact that they like to play with a lot of possession of the ball, but they were so smart against Spain that they just gave the ball away to to Spain. They didn't care. They just play on counterattacks and it worked perfectly. And no matter mm-hmm. who was going to be in that starting eleven or who was going to be on the bench and had to be subbed in, mm-hmm. um, it was like everybody was on sync and you couldn't even notice the differences between a player that was going off and one was going in. So mm-hmm. that was very interesting for me. And about Costa Rica, uh, I think something it's going on there that it, it needs to be um, fixed. Uh, I think the same about Argentina, because if there is something this World Cup has proved so far, is that in part, it doesn't matter how much your federation invests on you. You can always mm-hmm. make or do more go the extra mile yeah. like Rocky says yeah. um, and I'm not saying this um, like blaming on the players or anything but mm-hmm. there is something about the mentality that needs to be changed in in regard of some nations and I think that and that is something that needs to change in Costa Rica and I really hope that they move on from Amelia Valverde like her time has finished a long time ago and and they need to move on for her and have a new process and and start from from the scratch because they have good players so it's really a a shame really i mean zambia got its first win and its debut in costa rica couldn't so and and not just that but the image they they left in this world cup was very very pale so yeah. yeah. Um and about Spain I I think the same thing. I mean nobody likes the coach. <laughs> um but they are very talented so I'm not like ruling them out or anything. Yeah. Uh the one thing I do have to say about Japan is we were worried about how they were going to find goals, right? Uh they have the golden boot leader right now in Hinata, right? Um and then they also have uh Yueki and Tanaka with two goals apiece as well. So they're, they've been finding goals just fine. Um, and I think a lot of, like, every media pundit, every expert was concerned about that. And they've answered those and more. And here's the thing we have to realize, too. The way they play football is they they knock it around the park. They ca- hit the counter. They can play so many different ways. 
and at the end of the day, um, they know how they they have one of the best midfields for a reason, and those midfielders can always get the ball to the forwards, and th- those midfielders can also score, right? Like uh, we've seen June Endo and Hina play more of a left midfielder overall, like a kind of like a wing back almost. Um, so it's been interesting just seeing uh, June Endo and Hina Sujita rotate, but Japan, as long as they can keep finishing goals, they'll be just fine. Uh, and defensively, they've been sound too, uh, especially with Kumagai in the back. So, um, but yeah, it's been a really great tournament just for Japan. And like you said, it's going to keep the, the only the only team stopping them is probably themselves at this point. Okay, so Group D, we have England, Denmark, China, Haiti. Um, Melina, I just want to say this real quick. I think Haiti is one of those up and coming teams. I keep saying it; I really mean it. One of those upcoming teams in the next, you know, one to two cycles, because uh, they have a lot of young pieces and a lot of upcoming talent uh, in their youth rosters. And this team, I, I think they're going to be stacked for the next few decades. Like it. They've, they're doing something right over there, and a lot of their players play in the French League, so that definitely helps speeds up development as well. So I uh, would love to see more of them play. Um, and then we have England, Denmark, and China. Uh, first time China didn't make it out of the group stage, um, so not really surprising to me, um, just because I don't think their talent level is there as previous uh, cycles. Um, but England making it, just grinding out results the whole time. Serena, like we have to give Serena like all her props though, as a head coach, because she just knows how to win, right? And then you have Lauren James, who, like, I think everyone wanted Lauren James to, like, be that star to come out of this tournament, right? Um, so just the fact that she's been, honestly, just kind of like, it looks like she's kind of, like, floating out there, gliding out there, just having a bunch of fun, just knocking the ball around, you know, taking her chances, like, literally looks like a superstar, you know what I mean? And then you have Denmark, obviously, who's just work, working their tails off. Nothing too flashy, nothing like that. Winning, you know, low-scoring games, playing good defense, things like that. But honestly, it's been it's been really cool just to kind of watch uh, Denmark do their thing too. So any thoughts on this group, Molina? Not many, to be honest. Gotta be honest. And this is uh, the group uh, I missed many matches from <laughs> this group. Uh, I think the, the timetable didn't work for me. <laughs> In this case, but I agree with you in the on Lauren James. Like I was excited about her, and I think not many people were talking about her. So mm-hmm. I think Leo also was excited about uh, mm-hmm. her and watching her shine. And yeah, surprised about China not making it to the round of sixteen. And also something that I didn't really think about was the fact that Bernie Harder this is her first World Cup. I mean that's oh. like, huh. yeah, and yeah. and you know like Denmark has has never been this big European powerhouse, uh. Mm. So I'm glad that she's she's playing round of sixteen. I mean, like I said before, I don't think she's in her prime anymore. But mm-hmm. of course, you always want to see these kind of players playing in these big tournaments, and Haiti. Although they didn't win anything, any game, I I think, yeah. like you said, they have many talented players, and I'm excited to see what what they are going to do in the next four years, not just at mm-hmm. the Concacaf level, but also worldwide. Yeah, uh, me too. Um, let's go with Group E. This is where uh, Melina. I am going to go off on a tangent, so I'm going to let you start off. But Vietnam, Portugal, United States, Netherlands for this group. 
Okay. <laughs> I think you have a lot of things to say. <laughs> well, Vietnam didn't win any games, but still uh, first World Cup for them. So props to them for qualifying, being such a small nation, not a traditional football nation. So I think uh, for a start, it has been good enough. Portugal, like always, like I've been saying during all these days, they play with a lot of heart and that, that showed. And for a minute, I thought they were going to do it. <laughs> they were going to go to the next round. But well, in the end, soccer gods said, not just yet. <laughs> so, oh man. Oh, so brutal. So brutal. Yeah, yeah I was, you know, I, I was very sleepy that morning, but I think everybody that was watching that game when the ball hit the post was like, no, and was automatically just awake. You know, yeah, wow. Um, I know that they are making a documentary on the U.S. women's national team, so I hope the the cameras capture the moment when that ball was going on its way to to Alisa Nair's, uh goal to see their mm-hmm. faces. You know, like oh man, we're so screwed, and their relieved faces when he hit the post. I mean, I, I will pay to see that. And the case of Netherlands, I really didn't know what to expect from the Netherlands because, you know, new coach and blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. But, well, good tournament so far. Um, they did what USA couldn't do against Vietnam. Mm-hmm. It was a, such an emphatic win. And they look solid. Uh, well, let's see how they do in round of 16. And about USA, I won't say much uh, except for <laughs> the fact that because you, you are going to do that. Um, I'm just going to say that I have never seen the U.S. women's national team play in such a nervous state and with so much fear mm-hmm. against a nation that is not considered a power powerhouse. And also it was a debutante like Portugal. Mm-hmm. It was like, wow. I mean, you could, you could sense all the way from the other part of the world, the fear and the nervousness those players had in those 90 minutes. And, you know, before the game, I was, like, laughing at the fact that fans were nervous about this game. Not in a malicious way, but I was like, come on, it's USA against Portugal. What can go wrong? And, well, <laughs> I understand now the fans uh, really had a, a reason to be nervous. So, yeah. you know, go ahead. Yeah, I'll start off with this. As a Vietnamese-American, I'm very proud of what Vietnam accomplished just making it to the World Cup. Just their fight in the first few games. I know they got a little tired uh, the last game, but honestly, I was very proud uh, just because they're just going to get better from here on out. They're going to start putting in, uh, you would hope, more resources, things like that. And honestly, yeah. And then, Melina, I didn't know this, actually. I didn't know, like, to play for Vietnam, like, you have to be, a, like, a citizen, right? Like, obviously, you know, but, like, you can't be a dual citizen, like, if you're if you have a Vietnamese passport. So it's either one or the other. I didn't know that. So it's going to be tough for them to get better unless they do it internally and through their own um, league, you know? So, and then Portugal, I'll say this about Portugal, man, like if they were in, I said this about, uh, what is it, Ireland too? But if they're in any other group, they would probably make it out too. Like that is a one tough team, well coached. Uh, the players know exactly what they're about. If you look at their heat map, you knew they were in a freaking diamond because it the heat map literally showed the diamond. Like they're so tactically sound. Um, they knew they were going to get a few chances in the game, and it came down to it came down to like a little, just a little nudge 
Um, so like, I'm not going to lie. I, I, I think everyone's holding their breath. Uh, we'll talk about that in a second, but Melina, you, we do agree that Netherlands was the best team in this group by far, right? Yeah. Surprisingly. So at least for me. Yeah. Yeah. It's weird because I thought they were going to be very devoid of attack without Miedema, but they're, they're kind of figuring it out. Like, you know, kind of like a committee approach, which is really cool, but yeah. And here's the thing. I'll talk about the U S now, but everything's already been kind of said already. But I think my biggest issue is before, like in 2019, we knew who exactly they were. We knew they were going to be out, outrun you, out muscle you, out pass you, out you know shoot you, out you know, like just outscore you. Whatever it was, they were going to do everything better than you. They had this like aura around them that was like felt invincible. To be honest with you, even when they were you know if they surrendered a goal, like they were scoring so early, like the attack was just so efficient. Every player knew exactly. And I'll say this like. Jill Ellis, like if you listen to like Tobin Heath talk or just a lot of these former U.S. women's national team players who t- played for Jill Ellis, Jill Ellis had a, like a robotic approach. She did every scenario multiple times so the players knew exactly what to expect. They were so prepared like that they like, you know, the, it felt like they were reading off like a script, right? And then Blacko is the complete opposite, right? Uh, he doesn't really define roles. He doesn't really do a lot of that. So it really, like, players do need some direction. And technically, like, yeah, Jill Ellis would get it wrong certain times, but she would always kind of make, look look for adjustments through formations, through tactics, through personnel, whatever it was. And we, we're seeing Vlatko make so many, like, basic mistakes. One sub, you know, like, he was telling us that he really loved the 23 player or the 22 players he took. And he's... He proceeds to barely make any subs in the most important game. And then against Vietnam, he refuses to play some of it, like take out some of his starters, you know, probably to make a good impression. And it did the opposite, right? So he played his 11 starters pretty much maximum minutes all three games. That is like the dumbest thing you can do. That is like, I don't mean to say dumbest, but it really is. Like he's playing like he has no depth, right? And technically, Melina, let me ask you a question. Do you know what they're trying to accomplish out there when you watch them play? Does it make any sense to you what they're trying to do? No, no. To be honest, no. I mean, supposedly uh, Andy was going to be like the the one distributing the ball, but in the end, it was Crystal the one because oh. if you look at the uh, at the passes map, mm-hmm. it's like uh, Andy Sullivan was very isolated and then mm-hmm. almost every play the US made was on the on the side where Crystal was and that wasn't yeah. the plan. I mean <laughs> they were trying to find a way uh and there was no way and then there was like also no connection between them no more mm-hmm. than three passes and mm-hmm. when they attacked was just okay let's cross the ball or try something but there was no plan to be honest and and yeah. Yeah, they, they looked lost. Yeah, I think that's the worst part because there's no, there's no cohesion. I we've been hearing the same thing. Oh, they'll get better. They'll get better. And this is what year three, right, or whatever it is. And, and we keep seeing the same things happen over and over. The cohesion, the sloppiness. Uh, I think you were looking at Andy Sullivan's stats. I was looking at it too. She completed fifteen passes. Fifteen passes. Like a lot of the players passing accurate. I think the team's accuracy was in the low sixties, and it's just unacceptable. Um, you know, like when you do these tactics, sometimes you got to add another midfielder in just to, you know, 
keep the ball moving a little bit. Sometimes you gotta, you know, play your, you know, play your eights and tens a little further back, closer to six. Um, but they just look like they've never played with each other before, which is utterly insane to say. Um, personnel decisions uh, don't really make that much of a difference, and sadly for this team, just because the whole system is out of whack. Um, and then, like I said, stubbing patterns when you you're, when your players are dead tired, start the game. Things are going to happen really smoothly. Uh, the forwards are having the yips as well. You know what I mean? Outside of the first game, so many yips, so many uh, in front of goal looked uh, really bad. But just kind of, there's no adjustment being made to Molina. Like when you see things not going well, you can't just say, "Oh, I just, you know, we just need to play better." That's not a thing. You know, you you sometimes you have to make little adjustments in your tactics, move the positioning up, maybe move your six up a little higher. Oh, uh, you. Know, and the worst part is, like. We still haven't seen Julie Ertz. As, like, I understand, you know, if he doesn't – I don't understand why he hasn't played Alana Cook because I still think Alana Cook and Naomi Gurma with Julie Ertz as a six is better than what they're doing now. Um, you know, um, so it's just really interesting. I could go on for days, but it's just really disappointing to me because I think from the 2019 to this team now, you don't recognize it. The the uh, prestige is gone a little bit. Teams are like we had we had the Netherlands coach come out and just say, no, we should be scared of the US. And he's been proven right every single game. And Melina, let me ask you a quick question. Sweden, US is gonna play. So we'll talk about this in a second, but like should US fans be scared of this game? Yes, they should, right? Yes. But there is always something extra about those games and the history <laughs> and stuff. But mm -hmm. knowing the state the U.S. is right now, because like you said, in the past, if someone would have said something like the coach from the Netherlands uh, said, like the U.S. would have mm -hmm. answered with outstanding performance or uh, scandalous um, beating, yeah. you know, on the field. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But it's not the case anymore. And yeah. when you lose that, that, the fear the other nations have for you, it's you have to earn it again and sadly this is a world cup and and now you yeah. only have one chance i mean if you get it wrong you're out like it happened yeah. with germany like it happened with canada and brazil so i don't know i i still believe they have a chance because they are the reigning world champions and you know there is something about world champions that they always have like some extra luck and some extra life maybe And that's why I'm putting not all the confidence that Sweden is going to kick them out of the tournament. But still, um, I think Sweden is in a better position than right now. And if fans were nervous about USA Portugal, I mean, <laughs> I think they will be even more nervous for this game. Yeah, I'll, I'll end with this because it's very obvious at this point, uh, all the fans are kind of united for the first time in a long time. Uh, they're not talking about personnel as much. They're talking about leadership change and you know I'll, i'll say it like yeah it doesn't matter how they end this tournament there needs to be a change this has gone on long enough and you can't even if they find a way to win this cup somehow this is not sustainable you know what i mean you can't just play knock the ball like knock the ball up the pitch and to hope for the best um you know so it, it's really hard to watch and i, I do think they need to kind of go back to who they were they can possess the ball a little bit like this goal 
still play direct, but still play like the U.S. So it's going to be interesting uh, moving forward. I, I don't see them beating Sweden, to be honest with you. Um, Sweden, got, you know, Sweden got their number when they were playing way much better uh, in, at the Olympics. You know, the U.S. is playing way better at the Olympics than they are now. Uh, and they still lost. Um, so, but yeah, uh, at the end of the day, um, I, I don't put the blame on the players, to be to be frank. I think they're being put in a position to fail, and that's really unfortunate. And there's been a lot of commentary, you know, Carly Lloyd, Lawless, uh, you know, Heather O'Reilly. Like, all these commentary are the same. Julie Foudy, even. Like, you know, everyone, you know, obviously, everyone cares about the team. You know, they want the team to do well, so everyone's handling it differently. So I'm not going to be chiming in on that as well. So, but Melina, let's get into Group F. Heartbreaking group because I think we all wanted Brazil to move on, especially for Marta. Uh, so we have Panama, Brazil, Jamaica, France. Uh, but before we get into just kind of that, Melina, can you just talk to what Marta means to you? Oh, I think she's the first name I heard related to women's soccer. And like I said on Twitter, uh, for South Americans, everything is it's hard and more more so related to to football or soccer because sadly, well, I know. Almost the entire world is they kind of always disregard women's soccer, but in South America, that macho attitude is kind of like more stark. The contrast is more stark. So, you know, my favorite book is It's Under the Lights and In the Dark, and it speaks mm-hmm. about different stories of, of women that have succeeded in, in soccer. And one of those stories is Marta. So I I learned about yeah. her past in that book, and it was so heartbreaking. And the fact that she just went into the a world that she didn't even know because she was from this yeah. very poor small town, and that yeah. she made it to such big stages, it was like a fairy tale almost. And yeah. also the fact that he she became res- respected not only in South America but also in the entire world. It was like wow, that's outstanding. Um, yeah. and so I think she's she's been a role model not only for South America but for many players that are now playing at a big stage. So and you know like, like you may have the ninety nineers and and Alex Morgan and I don't know Carly Lloyd and so many legends in the U.S. But I think none of them is compared to Marta because none of them had to face what Marta faced. You know, it's it's so hard for many uh, in Brazil and other nations. And even though in the U.S. they, they have the challenges, it's nothing compared to what uh, South American nations have to go through or even African nations. So, yeah. yes, she means a lot, a lot, to be honest. And, and here in South America, it's like everybody was looking up to her. And, yeah, hopefully we'll have another Marta maybe in some years. But she was just she's because she hasn't retired at a cool level. Um, she's so magical, you know, and and such a good person. And I I don't even know one person that can say anything bad about her. And yeah. she's also so graceful because you know after they lost they drew against Jamaica, uh, yeah. she went to to Bonnie Shaw talked to her and and pointing mm-hmm. fingers at her. I don't know what she said to her, but imagine something like now it's your turn and, and go and make yeah. history something like that because Jamaica doesn't have it easy either so yeah 
I, I think what I'm going to remember her, her most is, yeah, like you said, the person. Yeah, she was, a, you know, she's magical on the pitch. Obviously, she's uh, like when people tell me she's the goat, I don't question it. You know, I think, you know, you can have multiple goats. Um, you know, like if you want to say Sinclair's a goat, that's cool. You want to say, you know, uh, Margo's a goat. That's cool. Like, I think there's different versions to it. But when she said, when she had that speech uh, four years ago, I think um, it really touched me just because I'm like, dude, like I was not prepared to hear like really strong words like that, you know? And, and then she talked about how she was talking about just the other day about how role models, you know, she didn't have any female role models. And the fact that she is, you know, a lot of players come up to her now and say, you're the reason why I'm here or playing, you know, like look at their team, you know, they have, Caroline, they have guys, they have all these players have that looked up to her, you know, her entire career. They she set this pathway for them, you know, and that's I, I will never forget that because I remember watching her play for the first time and I just said because I wasn't exposed to women's football at all, Melina at a young age, you know. Um so first few times I had Sinclair uh in my backyard, uh, you know what I mean? So I was very lucky to have such a uh strong player. Um, and I, you know, and for me, what the first time I saw Marta play was on TV, you know, I think it was WPS or something, um, a long time ago. And I just never seen a player just like, you know, like when you watch basketball or you watch football, football has a quarterback, basketball has, you know, like a star player, or like a point guard who can take over. Right. And Marta just like did things that didn't really seem possible in, in soccer. <laughs> so it was really quite interesting but i'm just gonna remember the impact she left as a person and like the role model she is for so many like not just brazilians but like everyone around the world you know what i mean like the fact that she there's so many people in brazil watching her like it doesn't matter if they're little boys little girls dads or moms like everyone is watching her because they love the person she is as well but uh you know hopefully she plays club for a few more years and maybe the olympics next year um, just because, you know, I, I don't think anybody's ready to hear Marta say, you know, she's done. So, um, but yeah, let's talk, let's talk about, uh, something that doesn't make us as much sad. Um, uh, anyways, let's talk about Panama. Panama had that really cool moment against France. Uh, they put up three goals against France. It was really cool to see. France was playing mostly a rotated lineup, but these are the moments that players will remember and coaches will remember for the rest of their lives. And, like those players back in Panama or those players that have pa Pan Panamanian um, uh, dual citizenship, you know, or could get it are going to be looking at this as like, Oh, I want to put that team, you know? So it's really important to have that. But France just looked like they got their mojo back. Um, I don't know how I feel about France's coach yet, but I know he really cares just the way he like is so fiery during games. And then shout out to Jamaica. My goodness. One of the two teams who did not give up a single concede a single goal in this tournament they only scored one goal you know but when you have an excellent defense and you have players committed Molina to the cause and just like and here's the thing didn't Jamaica have to like get a GoFundMe to get here like their federation like needs to wake up Molina like they just had a team make the round of 16 with like no resources no money and and they have one of the best forwards of all time in, in the game today, you know. So it just, uh, and I really like uh, watching France play at their best. Melina is beautiful. Like when they have finishers, because they always they always do really good to get up to the the chance. But a lot of the time, 
Lisa Mara doesn't finish or Diani doesn't finish. So just kind of seeing those players kind of doing that is cool. Uh, but yeah, I'm looking forward to France. I think well-deserved uh, group win. Um, Jamaica it definitely was a surprise. I had them third in the group. Um, uh, you know, not over Brazil, but honestly, yeah, it's just, I hope that, you know, wakes up the federation uh, in Jamaica, but a uh, really fun group. Uh, Melina, any thoughts? Yeah, I mean, Panama gave us a lot of good moments, I think, and especially in their last game, that yeah. goal by Marta Cox. I mean, wow. And she also she gave a little speech, you know, about look what we have done against France because they also started out game winning and then, well, France scored like four of them. But still, I mean, they, they scared France for a minute. And she said, uh, if we're doing this, with little resources, imagine what we can do with more resources, because they also they don't train in, in proper fields and and they're playing on not on natural grass. So their federation also needs to improve their conditions so they can do better. They prove that they have fire. They have that fire, you know. And and yeah, we we'll love to see them again uh, at such a big stage. In my case, of course, I put France first and Brazil second. I was really pleased with what Jamaica has done. It's amazing. And defense wins championships, they say, right? Well, I don't think they're going to win the World Cup, but I mean, what they have done is historical. So, historic. And so, yeah, props to them. And yeah, it's amazing. Zero goals conceded. It's wow. And France, like you said, I mean, even though they have some key players that couldn't participate in this this cup due to injury they are doing pretty well and let's remember mm -hmm. the coach has been there for such a short amount of time so yeah the, the guy really cares and and i'm glad to see that because we know that france has been through some stuff too regarding mm -hmm. the federation and, and the coach you know i don't know if they're gonna win this world cup but my favorite player from france has always been camilla billy and she's an oh. assistant coach, mm -hmm. yeah, in Lyon. Yeah. So I don't know if they're going to win this World Cup, but I would love to see Camila Billy as a coach and they win in the World Cup because she carried that team for so long until she retired. And, you know, France yeah. can play very beautifully, but then they will crash at, <laughs> at the quarterfinals. So at least they broke that curse in the last years, but still. Uh, they haven't gotten to the final, so it will all good to see them yeah. doing that. I think that's the only res reservation I have about them is whether or not they can break through, right? Like, mm -hmm. they have all the talent. We already know this. Even when they're shorthanded, they have talent for days, right? So uh, I think this is their chance because it's just a wide-open tournament. There's no, like, consensus number one team, you know? Um, so it's going to be interesting. Uh, we have two groups left, Melina. Uh, so let's – we can – uh, Sweden, South Africa, Italy, Argentina, um, South Africa advance. Desiree Ellis in her second World Cup. You know, they they, they were debutants in 2019. And then in their second ever World Cup, they made the knockout round, you know. And Catlana, who plays for Louisville, they honestly, they that team really worked hard. And then they also had Hilda, who also scored two goals. So Catlana and Hilda scored two goals. Uh, they scored a total of six goals as a team which is one of the better offenses uh, remaining, you know? So that says a lot about their team. So it's really cool to see that. 
I don't like I remember I think I picked Italy and Sweden. Uh Sweden makes sense as the first they won all three games. They look very clinical, they look very dangerous, they look very sound defensively. They didn't really look like they were too troubled in any of their games, which is really saying a lot. So Italy had a lot of young pieces moving forward. So I'm looking forward to see what they do. Uh Argentina, I'll I'll let you talk about Argentina, but uh this group makes a lot of sense. I just want to uh, congratulate Banyana Banyana for advancing. Uh it's definitely a great story. Uh and I want to hear more music because they sing so well. Um, but yeah, congratulations to um, Desiree Ellis and the team. Yeah, I don't remember. Of course, I said Sweden first, but I don't remember if I said South Africa second. I didn't I think, have faith. I think you did. Yeah? Yeah, because I didn't have I faith did. in Italy. Okay, cool. <laughs> <But> <laughs> I, I won. Did, yeah. <laughs> At least I won on that. <laughs> no, but um, you spoke about Catalana, uh, and I didn't know, I just found out today that she has been dealing with some family stuff. Yeah. She said it's football about who wants it more. Uh, most over the last three weeks, I've lost three family members. I could have went home, but I chose to stay with my girls. So very happy for her because, of course, this, this historical thing they have achieved. Of course, she, she might be dedicating it to her family members. So sad stories, but still... She's there, and, and I'm happy that at least she got what she wanted, and that's going to the next round. And happy for the coach, too, because, you know, you could see her, her face when they let the win against Sweden just slipped away, and same with Argentina. And, yeah, they deserved it more than Italy and Argentina. They play well, and they had it in them. You could see it there from day one, so good for them. Italy, oh, man, they need a change there. I found out, too, that the day they got beaten by Sweden, it was trending on Twitter, Bertolini out or something like that was the, was the hashtag. So I really don't see her as Italy's head coach, but we'll see. Because federations sometimes can be so dumb. So I don't know. <laughs> um, yeah. Sweden, I, I think there are no surprises there. And Argentina, oh, I'm not going to say much, <laughs> but I'm going to say that here in this country... Most of the time, we only care about winnings. And even though Argentina didn't get any, you listen to, to journalists saying that ah, we cannot demand anything from them because they don't have the proper the proper conditions to thrive and stuff. And I get that, that we don't have the proper conditions and we lack a lot of things. But like I said before, this World Cup has shown us that you can achieve stuff. And, you know, some national teams from other sports in this country, like field hockey they achieved mm -hmm. what was impossible because here yeah. that sport has been amateur since forever yeah. and and they had to go against european nations where they were pro and still they could go uh they could win like olympic uh gold medals and and world world cups and stuff like that so it's really not an obstacle i understand that you are not going to win this world cup but at least yeah fulfilled the the main goal you had that is to win at least one game i mean zambia did it who else new zealand new zealand did Philippines, it morocco yeah many did it and and so it's not an obstacle i think the mentality has to change yeah that's non-negotiable and also well <laughs> sad that florencia bonsegundo torn her acl he was known today. Yeah. And also Stefania Vanini, the captain, is retiring from the national team. Oh. She said that she has been 
fighting for better conditions for so long and she's just tired so yeah and and also she's kind of like very injured so i i think this is the the right decision and we will like miss her a lot because i remember during the the years she was banned from the national team mm -hmm. argentina i mean they didn't look good in this tournament but during those years they looked so disjointed that they didn't yeah. know what to do with the ball and that's what banini gives yeah. them and now mm -hmm. that banini won't be there i mean and also you have a lot of players that didn't do anything within this world cup like la roqueta i mean I wish her the best in Orlando, but I really hope that she improves because she was like invisible during the entire World Cup. So, yeah, I don't know. That's all I'm going to say. That is also a lot. Um, no, I appreciate you sharing your thoughts. Um, so we have one more group. And then I want to bring up one last topic with you out there. But I'm going to leave Columbia to, you, Columbia to you. They obviously won the group. We talked about Germany, South Korea. I think the biggest thing that upset me the most is they look like we've seen them play in the past and they look like they were game, right? They were ready to compete and do all this stuff. And then this just felt like it felt like a setback, in my opinion. They looked like they were outmatched every, mat every match. They didn't seem like they wanted to put too much going forward into attacking to scoring goals. And I just, it just made me really unhappy because I, I, I know they can do better than that. So it's really important tournament. You know, making it's one thing they've made it before. They, they, they consistently make it. So I just thought they would put a better effort and be more prepared. So that's really unfortunate. Germany uh, Germany not making it. Yes, it is a shocker for sure. But Germany has been testing their luck out, right, Melina, for the past few months. Uh, they look, they've looked awful. They've looked great. And here's the thing. Their differential is plus five, Melina. Like, usually that's always good enough to go forward, right? So I do think they got the – like – this is like, I don't think this is ever going to happen to their team again because I think they're going to reevaluate everything. They have to. But, like, just like you said earlier on, like, I'll just leave it at this. You cannot always rely on a few players, right? You got to do, you know, other players have to step up and want the ball. So, just kind of seeing kind of them playing very, like, American ish and try to, like, be a little bit too direct to pop. Pop just needs decent service, and she'll put the ball in the back of the net. She's already scored this. She scored half their goals, so I'll, I'll leave it at that. But it, it's definitely disappointing. I don't know where they go from here because I thought that they were very sad. I thought they were one of the best teams. Uh, after the first game, I think everyone expected them to make it. So it's interesting. Uh, Morocco, I do want to give a shout-out to their head coach, Reynald uh, Petros. Um, congratulations on doing – being the only deputant in this World Cup to make it to the knockout stage. Um, just the fact that that team plays with so much heart um, and just they take their chances. Like they only get a few chances a game and they always take it, you know, and I'm not going to talk about the goal, the PK that was gifted or, you know, like what should or should not have been called. But the moment this is Morocco now has the men's team who made the semifinals and now they have the women's team also make the knockout stage. Like, uh, so a big shout out to Morocco, especially uh, their country who supports both teams. Um, really cool. And then I'm going to leave Colombia to you because I know you know Linda Caicedo the best. And just uh, and then my secondary question to that is, does that loss kind of like change your mind about them at all, or does you does do you think that helps them maybe wake them up before the knockouts? It is a joke going around among Colombians that. You know, their coach, Abadia, was suspended the first two games. 
So he had to look from the stands. <laughs> and now the guy who uh, wasn't suspended anymore. So he went to <laughs> to the dugout and they lost. You know, Colombians don't like Abadia. So <laughs> they were saying that, yeah, you go, you go to the stands. You're better there. Yeah, it was a disappointing game. Yeah. I mean, they already made history, and I mean, they won the group. Nobody, nobody predicted that. Also, so yeah. yeah. I mean, he will take the credit for this. Of course, of course. But you know, like I don't know. It's he it has a it's positives and negatives. You know, against Jamaica, I mean, it's gonna be I think the hell of a game. Because both yeah. nations have proved that they can play really well. And, you know, Jamaica has been so sound defensively. I don't know if Colombia can do that. And and Shaw is always a threat, even though she was all alone in the last game. And and they Jamaica played with six in the back and, and they could yeah. pull it off. So I don't know. No, I was just going to say, I would not be surprised if it was 0-0 and it went to PKs. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't be surprised either. So, yeah. 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 But I think it's going to be a great game. And now it doesn't change my mind, but, uh, you know, it's uh, for me, Group H was a weird group, group because you had yeah. Germany, who was, I think, the, the absolute favorite. And, mm-hmm. and well, they disappointed. Um, it's a weird group, but I don't know. Um, I think Colombia still can do it because individually they have players that can make more differences than Jamaica, but defense uh, who defends better will win, I think, in the end. Yeah. The last thing about Morocco, yeah, very happy about them. And we already talked about Germany. So, so this is what we're going to do. We're going to go over a round of 16. We're not going to analyze any games, Melina. We've already analyzed every team. We're just going to make our picks. Okay. So I'm going to go over every match of the round of 16. Okay. And then we're going to get to our final. Sound good? Yep. Okay. Switzerland, Spain. Who do you got? Spain. Okay. Netherlands, South Africa. Netherlands. Okay. Japan, Norway. Japan. Okay. Sweden, US. Sweden. Yep. Okay. Australia, Denmark. Oof, tough one. Uh Sanker, <laughs> I think, is gonna is gonna play so Australia. Yeah. Okay. France, Morocco. France. Okay. And then England, Nigeria. Hmm. I'm gonna say England. Okay, and then Colombia, Jamaica. Colombia. Okay. All right. Okay. So Melina, uh, who do you have for your finals? So you have Spain, Netherlands, Japan, and Sweden. One of those teams has to make the finals. Who do you have? Okay. Uh so Netherlands and Japan. Okay. All right. And then who do you have Netherlands uh, and Japan? Japan. All right. And then we have, then you have Sweden, Australia, France, and England. And I'm assuming you have England to make it out of the, the quarters from that group. Yeah. And then okay. France. And then, okay. Cause it would be England versus France. And then Australia versus Sweden. I'm curious who you have Australia versus Sweden. <laughs> I would say Australia because they have the people behind them. Yeah, that's what I have. And then England versus France, I think it might be the best game of besides France Brazil was amazing. Um, but you, you of course you have England there. And then 
it's funny that you have that because I'm looking at my predictions. I also have the exact same uh, semifinals as you, which is insane. <laughs> uh, and we the also first the time we agree Japan, on something. <laughs> yeah, we never agree. So this is really saying a lot. But yeah, so we have so you and I both have Japan versus England. Melina, do you have England going all the way, or do you have Japan winning? I would say England. Yeah, that's why I have as well. I just think England is what the U.S. should be right now. Um, you know, physical grind out games, but still play good football when they need to, and they're just not doing that. Um, so I th- yeah, I got England as well. But my last question to end uh, our podcast, Melina, is. I'm going to read off the host of every Women's World Cup, okay? And I'm going to ask you where the next World Cup should be, okay? So I have a few op- I have a few thoughts behind that, so I'll let you know. So China, Sweden, U.S. hosts it back-to-back, China, Germany, Canada, France, and then obviously Australia and New Zealand. Okay, so this is my opinion, Melina. Let me know if you disagree with this, okay? I think the next two World Cups, one needs to be in Africa, one needs to be in South America. Like they have not done it on one of those continents. But I think Brazil should host or Colombia should host. It would be a great tournament with a lot of fans uh, at either one of those countries. I know Brazil got a men's World Cup a while back, uh, but I would love to see you know, maybe Colombia get one this time or uh, Brazil for the women uh, because both teams are exceptional. And then I would love to see Africa to host a tournament as well, like South Africa hosting. Uh, Women's World Cup would be awesome. Uh, Morocco, even like just depending on what what countries make sense. But Melinda, what are your thoughts on that? Do you think the next two World Cups should go to both those continents? Yeah, definitely. But the thing is, it doesn't matter if South America or Africa having hosted a World Cup so far because it's all about politics, and you can do everything right. But if I don't know um, the U.S. and Mexico. Yeah have more friends on FIFA, inside FIFA, it's going to be them. So I'm not getting my hopes up. Of course, I would love to have the World Cup in the country next to mine, but I'm not, like, being very positive about it. Well, I guess my question also is, do you you think both of those countries need a World Cup to uh, speed up the development even further? Because I honestly, like, we have to remember, too, because we've had what we have three African nations make the final 16 at a women's world cup never happened before. Right. And then we have, uh, obviously Colombia is the only team that made it from, um, you know, from, uh, South America, but obviously Brazil is going to be in that picture, you know? Um, so I guess my question to you is obviously, you know, like if we had a choice, we would love to see both those continents get back to back. But if you, if only one of them could get a world cup, what, what do you think would make more of a difference? Having it in Africa or having it in South America? I think in Africa because, you know, WEFCON is not that well known, but you have to watch those kind of tournaments to see what is going on in Africa. And I don't know, um, South America at least had Marta and many other players that are playing in WSL, so they are getting some Mm -hmm. attention. But even though we have some African players playing in WSL is not the same. It's like, um, I don't know, you can, a good marketing group behind WAFCON, mm-hmm. but people still won't mm-hmm. watch. I, I covered that tournament in the men's, yeah. in the men's side, and it doesn't gain much attraction. So I think it will make a bigger difference uh, to have it in Africa. Yeah, uh, no, I'm just good to know because I think for 
for me, even if Colombia or Brazil hosted, I think the fans are going to show up anyways, just because, you know, they are, you know, they're following, they've always supported those teams pretty well, not, you know, especially recently. Um, so I don't think they need it as much, like you said, but it would be great to, like I said, if we, if we could have a say and just have these back to back, because, you know, when you look at it, just same, the same continents keep getting to host and it's because of the short timeline, you know, but if they already have the infrastructure, it shouldn't matter, you know? So hopefully we can get that because uh, at the end of the day, um, the world cup, especially with the, how teams are performing from other continents, that's exactly what we've been waiting for, for a very long time. Um, but yeah, Melina, uh, that's our podcast for today. Um, we will check in next week when we have a few uh, knockout games to go over. But man, this is it just me or this tournament is probably the best one, like unpredictability wise, right? By far. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I mean, there are surprises every day, so it's great. I, I think I read this, Melina, I'll end with this. I read this meme. My, I think a couple of my buddies, I, she'll know who she is, but I read her meme today. She goes, waking up and reading about all the upsets has me like, you know. So uh, it's uh, it was really cool to read that stuff. Um, but yeah, I, I feel the same way. Like, I, you know, I can't watch the games late every morning or every night, but it's been really cool. Uh, but yeah, Melina, thanks for joining for the podcast today. Uh, let's, I'm looking forward to the next one just because I feel like there's going to be a lot more surprises in store. But yeah, this has been football or soccer, whatever you call it, with Fuquin and Melina Gaspar. Thank you.